Where's your phone? Okay, we got the phone. I was a little worried Is that it? I lost the phone. I definitely do not need this microphone. <laughs> but we'll I'm turn it on. I was just gonna say, can you hear me? Mic check, mic check, you yep. You need the mic on. Yes. Is your phone on My uh, phone, theater I mode? Silence. I better silence the phone. Did you okay. listen to Max? I did not listen to Max, but Max did a great job. Thank you, Max. Thanks, Max. Max is Jordan's husband. I married him. Where did he go? He's gone. On accident oh, or on he, purpose? Oh, always in the back. Um, I, okay, Jordan and I just both blacked out for a second over there. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening right now. This is wild. Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Sarah. And we're both successful serial entrepreneurs who believe the world is way better with more. More women-owned businesses, more wealth, more magic, and more champagne. But before we can add more, we need to return old business ideas that are taking up too much space in our lives. Enter The Refund, our content series for folks who are looking to return old storylines, concepts, and habits that no longer serve their life and business. Each episode, we're gonna cover one topic, share three key takeaways, and we're gonna receive a refund on what is no longer fitting the bill. Hashtag no receipts required. Listen and watch The Refund on YouTube and wherever you love to listen to podcasts. The, the Refund ultimately was started because Jordan and I were on a walk and Jor was like, hey, Sarah, I think this would be a really cool idea. We both have started and continued most of the businesses we started, mm -hmm. uh, multiple different businesses, and we've worked with lots of different, mostly women in business. And there's some really major common themes that we've seen throughout our interactions with women in business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those themes are bullshit. And we were like, we have to return this garbage. These things are stopping us from soaring after our dreams. It's stopping us from scaling. It's stopping us from trying. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad. That's not what we want, right? Like we should be able to do all the things we want to do. And it's some of these business concepts or rules or ideas are stopping us from doing that, especially as women in business. And so we wanted to talk about the things, the ideas that we wanted to return. We wanted a refund on these concepts. No receipt required. We're just going to give them back and move on. Yep. And yep. that's what we've been talking about in each, in, our, in each of our episodes. And the refund branding, it's so funny. The refund branding was created at the beginning of this year in a branding course, and I didn't know what to do with it. And then when Sarah and I were just talking, I was like, I already have the name and the branding's already done. So, and we had, in, and Sarah and I have had all these conversations and we were like, why not create a series that shares our mistakes so that you don't have to make them that are costly, not even financially, but emotionally, mentally. Why not learn from our mistakes? We're happy to fuck up for you. And, and <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I think, if we can help you make a decision so you don't have as much heartache in situations we have, we're happy to do it. So that's where the refund came from. And it's been super fun. Yeah, that's so been fun. part of it too, is if it's not fun, we're not gonna do it. As you can tell by our outfits, that was the first thing we planned. Yep. So we're like, let's make it fun, make it bold, and let's just have an honest conversation about being women in business. Yeah, and cool. that's what we did. Jordan sparked the little idea and we ran with it. Okay, so what are we returning today? Today we're gonna to return the concept that in order to build a business or go after your dream or scale or grow, you have to sacrifice. So both Jordan and I have navigated our professional careers not feeling sacrificial. We have both felt 
as if the choices we were making that helped us get where we wanted to be were just that, choices. I was choosing to miss out on some, air quotes, miss out on some things. I was choosing the path I chose, right, actively. Mm -hmm. And the things I opted out of, a stable paycheck, a 401k, what I'll air quote as security in my job. Right. Because corporate people get laid off too. Did you guys know that? (laughs) And they're doing it a lot right now. So it's, yeah, the idea of stability varies. I think it's what's your appetite for risk and what does stability actually mean for you? And both Jordan and I, right? Like we like risk. We're not afraid to try. And that's not for everyone, right? It's an entrepreneurial spirited thing Mm -hmm. that we both find quite addicting. That's who we choose to work with from our client base for the most part. And none of that to me felt like I was sacrificing anything. And you've shared the same thing. It hasn't felt like Mm -hmm. a sacrifice. Yeah, and I think though the way you get there, and I think we'll talk about this in our stories, is you don't realize it's a sacrifice until it's too late. Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh shit, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm now gonna actively choose. I, I even put in the show notes a definition of sacrifice and it's truly to kill something or offer something to kill. Yep. The Webster's Dictionary talks about killing animals. I'm like, that is so extreme. That's not what I do every day as a part of my business. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not murdering animals on an altar. And we use that word all the time. And we tell women, like, especially women, like, oh, well, you're going to have to sacrifice something. It's like, well, what am I going to kill? What are you telling me I have to kill? Not to say you're not going to make hard choices, but it's the idea of reframing it as a choice is I'm not gonna be victimized by what I'm doing. It's gonna be an active choice. It's still gonna be hard. No one's saying it's gonna be easy. And there's a story I'll share later about that, but it's, it's a choice and that is tied to mindset. So I think it's like, you may have gotten there just from your own just skill set and experience, but it took me a couple stumbles to realize like I'm compromising too much and it doesn't feel like it's within my control. And I'm no longer gonna do that. I'm no longer gonna allow myself to be victimized or sacrificing things when instead I'm making an active choice and I'm putting boundaries around that. But again, that takes experience. Therapy, for my folks that don't go to therapy, I highly recommend. We talk a lot about therapy in these episodes. I think what you touched on that's really appealing to me in concept is control. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something I need to therapy a little bit more. Don't we all? Have you seen the notes? How many times am I gonna talk about my show notes? Yeah. We love control, right? And so sacrifice needs a rebrand to me. Uh-huh. Yep. And it takes a little self-awareness to realize that oh shit, I chose this life. I picked the harder path. I said, bye-bye, stable job, see you later, bonus. I, I chose to opt out of those things. And so the subsequent choices that come after that, whatever they may be, it's different from person to person, right? Me reminding myself that those were all choices I made and therefore I could unchoose, I could choose to shift that has really helped me feel like the 
sacrifices I've made are not actually sacrifices. They're the baby steps, the stepping stones that are helping me get to what my goals are. That's why I'm sitting here today. I never, in May, I wouldn't have even thought about this, let alone, you know, I'm almost five years in business full-time, 10 years in business since I started. That's fucking bonkers to me. And I don't, I don't look back at that time and think, God damn it, Sarah, you missed out on so much stuff. Yeah, feel bad, right. And I think in a world where they make choices for you actively as women, from the second you come out of the womb, you have had all these choices made for you. So it's a mindset shift that all of these choices have been made for you. You've already been told all the things you need to sacrifice as a mom, a wife, a sister, daughter, whatever you are. And then you have to unchoose all those things. It's like hard to clear that. Right, but the only way you can figure that out is by having a really challenging moment or talking to people who can help you shift your mindset. And it's those red flags you start to see where you're unhappy or your physical health is suffering or whatever it is that's a red flag for you to realize that these choices are being made for me by people that maybe aren't in the best interest of me and are benefiting. And that I think is applicable across the board. Whether you're in business, just being a woman in general, I think all these choices are made for you. And you don't even realize it until you kind of shift your mindset and start taking some power back. And yeah, you look at me as I'm like, power, yeah. But, and we see this everywhere. It's not just in business, it's in our political system, it's in a lot of systems that we see every day. But I think you can start with your business because you own that and you get to decide which direction it goes. Yeah, I think it's re, I love how you just said taking your power back. Mm-hmm. Hot damn. That's good. I put on a power turtleneck and I... You know, what's felt like, tell me maybe something that like on the surface somebody would think is sacrificial, but you maybe didn't feel like it was a sacrifice or maybe you needed to reframe that sacrifice. That... Yeah. And which one was it? Did you feel like it was a sacrifice or did you feel like you needed to reframe? How did it feel? Yeah, so I feel like the best example of this was a sacrifice I was making. So I sacrificed my intuition and my value for money. And I think we've all been there. We take something because we need the transaction, we need the check, we need the revenue. And um, that was, and that actually happened in 2020. So if I take a step back, Prior to 2020, I was running my jewelry business called Men Jewelry. If you haven't heard, my VIPs get free earrings, enjoy them. Um, But I had been running my jewelry business for two years and um, I was an anomaly in the venture capital space. I had angel investors who truly put the angel in investing. They were like business parents. They gave me $200,000 to run a jewelry business. So at what age? 23. 23. That is so badass. I feel so old and tired. <laughs> That's that is that is really funny. My two best friends are here. Just ask them what I was doing at 23. <laughs> right. It's just in retrospect, I just I got my MBA truly in that experience of two years. But in those two years, if I wasn't working, the business wasn't working. So I was doing everything. I was designing product, building my website, sending out emails. I was doing 50 plus events you know, a year. There's 52 weeks in a year. So you can guess that that's every single weekend of my life I am working. 
I'm flying to Tucson to negotiate materials with the gem show, which if you haven't been, it's so fun. I would sit down with my vendors, maybe over a glass of whiskey. They were mostly men. And I'd have to negotiate to have them give me, you know, this gemstone for 50 cents cheaper, else I'm not going to buy. And then I traveled to New York now, where you and I went. And that's how we met Adriana Kerrig, who started the Little Words Project. We did an, uh, an episode with her that's going to release tomorrow. It's so good about self-funding. Um, I did so much, and then at the end of every month, I would have to sit in front of my business partners, pull out my profit and loss, and say, here's where your money went, and here's where it's going. And I had to go line by line with them. Again, I'm 23 years old. I did this for two years. I uh, had a partnership with Nordstrom. I had a store at Mall of America. I scaled my business from doing it into my apartment, making five grand a year to a six-figure business in two years. It was the wildest two years of my life, and it was transformative. And then this tiny little thing happened in 2020 called a global pandemic. Did anyone else get fucked up with Anybody here? Yeah. You know what we're talking about? Yeah. Anybody hear about this good old pandy? And <laughs> one of my favorite comedians calls it the pandy wandy, and I can't take that. It's so funny, and I just love that he made it childish. But, but honestly, yeah. we've talked about this in another episode, like the trauma laughter that just collectively happens in the room. We all just felt that. We hurt. We're, We're all, in 20 sad. years, the repressed communal emotions that we've all suffered through will emerge yeah. in like hormonal acne. I don't know, but oh. we've, we've, we've clearly all just had a trauma laugh. We've all had a trauma laugh. I was just gonna say, I went darker. I was like, oh, the purge is gonna happen in 20 years. Um, yeah, I, just, I was just, yeah, I was just gonna say that's gonna happen. So then the pin, oh, I don't wanna talk about it, but so 2020 hit, I decided I don't wanna take any more venture capital because I don't wanna accrue any more debt in the business and I don't wanna give up majority equity. It was important that I own majority of my business. And also the salary was the most expensive part of my venture capital. I was paying myself $50,000 a year, which was about $38,000 after taxes, health insurance. I was making less than what I was uh, straight out of college. So that was a compromise I had made to run my business. So where the sacrifice comes in, I just needed to like set the stage there, is so 2020 hit and I felt like, and this is so sad to say out loud, but I felt like I had no skills. I felt like I was scaling back my business, which was the right decision to make, because in a luxury jewelry brand during the pandemic, I would have suffered. I would have maybe been out of business trying to take a salary. But I felt like I had no skills. I kept hearing entrepreneurs are not hireable. They, they're just difficult to work with. So then I started freelancing. And I just have to pause yeah, here. This, yeah, have some water. This blows my mind as an outsider, outsider looking in, seeing you hustle. I, you know, you slid into my DMs. That's how we met. That's how we met. She slid into my DMs early on in Mend, mm -hmm. and you were like, "Hey, I'm not crazy. I think we should grab drinks." And we had drinks at the Hewing. We did. Yeah. Was I pregnant or was I? It was no, dry, dry January. I, I don't know, as a pregnant human that would really like a drink, I don't know why I chose that, but good for me, I guess. Dry January. So we had a drink at the Hewing, and you were just so impressive, and I followed you closely, and we were at a lot of the same events, and as a third party looking at, looking at Jordan's experience, 
being on the sidelines of watching men happen and grow and then hearing her firsthand experience, my mind is blown mm -hmm. because I looked at you and thought, holy shit, you have it together. This woman has this secret sauce, this fierce personality, this ability to just thrive. How do I get that? Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry. Oh, I'm gonna cry scary. soon too. <laughs> but it, it's, it's shocking and I think like, that imposter syndrome, which we've talked about before, it shows up in the goofiest ways. Like you just talked about getting venture capital, $200,000 as a 23 year old with literally seemingly no skills at that point. You're 23. <laughs> College degree. And but like just you were so impressive that you were able to secure all these things and still that wasn't enough. Yeah. I had felt like I failed the business and pandemic hit and it was a time of scarcity. So I started freelancing at a very low hourly rate and I just was taking, and again, it was a time where you took whatever business you could get. I needed to supplement my income and I didn't know how because I didn't think I was hireable and I didn't think anybody would um, want my services. So I booked a couple contracts and then there was a contract I knew from the jump not a good fit. This was going to be bad. But I knew that I saw the dollar sign. And I said, it'll get better. I swear it'll be totally fine. The service-based business providers in the room are just, they're like, oh yeah. I was just going to say, we're all thinking about that client right now. And I knew it wasn't a good fit from the start, but I needed, in my mind, I needed the revenue because it felt scarce. And I knew it wasn't a good fit based on how, how this person treated their team. I saw the way they treated their team. I saw the graveyard of their employees and I saw how much they did not value the work that I did. So I got- And were you doing operations with them or what was, what was like scope? Everything, it was like marketing, design. I was truly just like offering myself wherever people would pay for it. Like that was how not confident I felt in what my true skill set was. And again, I hear like, I say that out loud and I feel sad because I know that there are people with, you know, 10 years of 20 years of experience with twice as many accolades and they still feel this way. And that makes me feel really sad because yeah, it's- that you are more than qualified, if not, you have so many more skills and such a faster time as an entrepreneur. Um, you're just on a different path that's not traditional. So I went to wrap it up with this client and uh, they did not want to pay me. And- Cute, yeah. after services had been completed. After the work was done and over-delivered. I'm an over-deliverer and- <laughs> Have you seen the printed notes I put um, and the coordinated outfits? But, and to me, that was like taking the knife and, and like twisting it is not only do you not value me, but now you don't want to pay me. Validated your fear. Oh, it was so horrible. And then I remember I was crying in front of my business group. And then I had, it was so nasty. I had to bring on an attorney and I was just so embarrassed. I kept thinking, why in the dollar amount in retrospect wasn't even that much but i i knew in that moment i was like i am never going to sacrifice a client or money for a you know for my own value i'm just never going to do that again and it took me that experience to know that and the end of the story is 
She was in the wrong. She didn't read her contract. Read your contract, people. She paid me. And what I did with that check was I bought myself diamond earrings, and they're now my fuck you diamonds. So anytime a client who has been difficult, you deserve to buy yourself something nice with that money. <laughs> revenue, shrevenue. It's a business expense. Who cares about that bottom line? Buy the diamonds. I have the diamond in my ear as a reminder of my value. And that was, that I think was the turning point as a service-based provider. That was when you decided, I am no longer sacrificing and I don't have to if I don't want to. Correct, and I'm not gonna be at the mercy of a check. That I know that I will always find a way to book business and that I can plan and find the right clients where it is mutually beneficial and it's not just about the money, it's about how that client treats their team and do they have the capacity to treat people with empathy and kindness, which is crazy to say out loud because I've met so many assholes and it's like, the bar is so low. <laughs> like, it's, and I actively choose that. And it doesn't matter if I'm like, well, am I gonna hit my number this quarter? I will, and if I, and if I don't get as close as I think, I know that I've picked the right clients. So that's my, that was my moment where it was a sacrifice, but it got me diamonds in the end and a lot of tears and I'm forever grateful for my attorney because she was very kind and, and helped me out, so. That's really shitty mm -hmm. that, that, you know, you had to deal with that. I also have had clients that have been, you know, challenging whether it's a misread of a contract or, you know, I think I probably had a really bad contract in the beginning, I'm, right? Those are things that you learn through as you trial and error, and those errors in my contracts are all named after the clients where we learned that error. So we have clauses with clients' names. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows that. that, it doesn't say it anywhere, but oh yeah, Tiff knows we have specific client clauses. Oh, that's the so-and-so clause, that's right, we needed to clarify that. And right, it's not, those are just learnings need to happen. It's not even the client's fault, ultimately. It was right. our miss, right? Mm -hmm. I kid, but I do have client clauses. <laughs> but that's really fascinating that, so you really thought, you know, I do need to make these sacrifices. This is normal. It felt normal for you to sacrifice. Well, again, go back to 2020. Yeah, think about how scary of a time that was. So it was part reacting to an environment, also not having the confidence in my skill set and feeling like, well, revenue is the most important thing, right? And it's like, it's just one part of your business. It's like one chapter of an entire story. You need to be locked in there, but the clients and the work that I do has to be at the same level of the revenue. But again, I didn't learn that until um, that terrible experience happened. And that's the only client I've ever fired. So that just shows that every other client I've worked with has been a good fit. Good for you for identifying that. It goes back to the self-awareness. We have an episode talking about self-awareness specifically because that's very important in business reality, in business life. Uh, but good for you for unchoosing that choice. Yeah, it was yeah, it was horrible and I cried. So it wasn't easy, but in retrospect it was I'm happy that it happened when it did. Okay, your turn. I want to hear about sacrifice, choice, vice versa. I wanna hear. I have a really funny one. Good, let's lighten the mood now. So I, 
you know, Will and I, my husband's name is Will. You know him. He was here earlier. My exit from corporate America, which we talk about briefly in another episode too, was not to start my business. It was actually to travel. And we planned to travel and be away from work. It was always the plan to be gone for about two years. And making an income was not a part of that equation. We had planned and budgeted to just be able to be gone and spend the money that we had saved. And that took a lot of years of planning in which I did none of and my husband did all of. Because when he brought it up, I was like, I'm going to go pack my bag. We're going tomorrow. I was just ready to go. I'm a, I'll wing it. I don't need show notes, but I appreciate the show notes. Yes, we're, we're both opposites in that regard. So I respect Will in that regard, but you're very much like my husband. You're like, let's go. I will say though too the concept of traveling and saving is so funny now because I feel like it's so normalized to be a traveling remote kind of nomad. Like the world has shifted where you could do that tomorrow if you wanted. Yes I would like to but then I can't do stuff like this right so is that a sacrifice? I don't know. (laughs) So we had planned and planned and planned and we got married in 2013 and a part of just budgeting for our wedding was saving our money. We were gifted money from both of our parents, which absolutely made that possible as well. But we had shifted some of our spending habits. And I certainly do not mean to sound like a boomer suggesting you stop, millennials, stop eating your avocado toast and quit your fancy coffees. Never. I will never stop getting the $12 latte, just so you know. Okay, I just really feel like that. When they come for me... When they come for my coffee, I'm like, Earl, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. It is not I'm like, yeah, yeah, you think coffee's the problem? But honestly, we would still go out, but we would have one drink instead of three to ten. And we would, if you know my husband, or me at 23, or me unpregnant, um, or, you know, we would have lunch, we'd bring lunch from home. Dumb little things that over a period of two years add up. Mm-hmm. It really adds up. It's the small stuff. I also had a very fantastic secure job where I was making good money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage. So we were able to kind of shell away all this cash to be gone. And that just felt normal to me. It didn't feel weird to me uh, because I was going after this big trip. Like I, I really wanted that. That was more important than what I wasn't buying. What that was buying me, what saving was buying me, was way more important to me than buying the other stuff. So it never felt sacrificial. And I think that laid a pretty solid foundation for my mindset shift of when I came back from being abroad, we had no money. We had spent it all. And I had made some money in my business, I think like $10,000 over two years. So we're not talking living expenses covered. But I, that was like a strong foundation. And I had this lineup of clients pinging me for very underpriced services, as one starts to do when they feel impostery about their service you know, prices and their model and their capabilities. And I was like, I think I can do this. I can continue on my business. I understand what air quote sacrifice is. And it's just, it never felt like sacrifice. It felt like me taking the steps in the right direction to get me where I want to go. So my funny story is if you have been following me on Instagram for a while, you might remember when I first moved back from being abroad, we were gifted a car (laughs) by a friend who was like, these two need help. These two have been traveling all over the place. They have no money. I have a 90-whatever Saturn just sitting out back. You guys can have it. 
So they transferred the title, our friend Nat, who also was a traveler. If anyone's done extensive traveling, like it, you, you make these friends, like Nat got it. Like people get it and then other people are like, yeah. you backpacked for two years? Like, yeah, that's where I learned not to wash my hair. And look at me now. So it's like, I'm yeah, so it, it bought me a lot of great things. Think of how much money I save on shampoo. Like it's just, it's, it's all lovely. Anyway, travelers just get it. So sorry if you're not a traveler, but travelers just get it. He's like, I gotta help these kids out. They need a car. So he gifted us this Saturn and it was a manual no air conditioning, oh, no power steering <laughs> beater of a vehicle. I don't know if we say beater, but it was a bad car. Yeah. It was not, it was a lemon. Do we say that? I don't know. Yeah, it was not a nice car. And, oh, con and, con is bad. That's and bad. it was summer. We came back oh. in the summer. And so conveniently, my husband's like, I never learned how to drive a stick. It's yours. And I'm like, I'm going to client meetings trying to tell these people to pay me like $700 to do something that's way more than $700. And I'm getting out of this car just pit stained. How are you supposed to turn left without power steering within a minute? I, I, I don't even know how I finagled that. So I remember if you guys, I don't know if Instagram still has an archive from 20 whatever that was of me like, so then I'm at a left turn, no power steering, stick shift and Instagramming myself in this car. And I, I mean, I definitely was mad at Will about it, but it was that kind of, sense. it that was feels, funny. That, that feels fair to be right. I'm mad, at, I'm mad at Will about something that's going to happen in 20 minutes that has nothing to do with him. So it's like, it, I don't know why that felt, it was just like so funny to me. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need that nice. I, my Nissan is out there. She's looking real rough. I love her. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice to me that I'm not buying a new fancy car. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice to me that I drove that shitty ass Saturn. I kind of miss it. We donated it. We got a write off. That's so nice. Wait, it was still working when you donated it? Yeah. It, I mean, I feel bad for the kid that has to drive it next, but yeah. Yeah. That we donated car. it to NPR. They have a great donation. Pro Maybe they'll sponsor us. They have a fantastic donation program if you're interested you can donate your unwanted vehicles to NPR and you get a write-off and you get like a membership to I don't know the, the parks and rec board or something but it yeah. felt it felt like I think in a space where oftentimes you can feel a little keeping up with the Jonesy oh a hundred percent yeah Instagram is the worst it makes you feel terrible sometimes I'm like I can't go on this I'm feeling bad and I think one of my superpowers might be like block I think I just have blinders on of that yeah. like I just am like oh well, good for you for your new car I have this Saturn <laughs> over here <laughs> she's fine <laughs> you know but I specifically remember just like sweating my ass off, just pit stains everywhere. I had the nicest arms I've ever had in my entire life, which still wasn't very nice. And it just didn't feel like sacrifice. It felt like, okay, I'm choosing this. I could make a couple phone calls and beg some people to hire me back on in a full-time position and my bonus would buy me a new car. But also though, it's, that's not what you value. Like some, and like, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car. It's like you care about travel or like whatever it is you I'm gonna have a nice yacht. So I'm not talking about not spending money. Let's clarify. 
I like the diamond earrings. It's just like cars aren't my thing, so it didn't bother me. And I think that would really stop people. Mm -hmm. I think some people today are choosing not to start a business, are choosing not to go all in, or are afraid. Maybe it's not even a choice. Maybe it's imposter syndrome or fear or things that they don't even know these other forces making the choices for them. Correct. That they're unwilling. They're like, I can't sacrifice my lifestyle. I like my HBO subscription. I like my $7. My coffee this morning was six-some dollars. Like... That feels low for me. <laughs> Are you a really bougie coffee drinker? No. no. Okay. I just, yeah. I just remember when my black coffee from Starbucks was $1.80. Like, does anyone, I mean, am I crazy? I got $1.80 coffee. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it was with my discount. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I think just like going back to that values piece, it's, yeah, you don't, whatever you care about is what you care about. There's not going to be markers that define if you're a successful business. Like, it's just not important. The successful business is that you enjoy the work you're doing, you're running a healthy and profitable business, and that it's aligning with your values. It doesn't, who cares? If you care about having a nice car, that's great. But as long as- And there as are ways that you can do that and run a business. 100%. And there are- uh, You guys have a nice car. Yeah, but that's all my husband. You yeah. think I'm a terrible driver. I feel like our insurance went up 12 grand because I had a parked car. Like, <laughs> You had a parked car? I did. Okay. It was not my fault. Of course what? it wasn't your fault. <laughs> Should have heard my video to the insurance person. I had to, oh, it was horrible. Anyways, but yeah, I just don't care about that stuff. That's not important to me. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's so hard not to fall into that comparison trap. And again, it's like a choice and you have to the be choice, able, that's but that's a practice. Like it's, it's so, it feels so good to be like, mm, feel bad for me. I'm suffering in my business. Like it's, it does. Sometimes you work really fucking hard and you're like, why am I doing this? And then I think about like a sacrifice for me is having a ceiling at a corporate job. That's selling me a ceiling. That's selling me a chandelier in my, in my little office and saying, this is what we think you can do. So to me, anytime I find myself like kind of spiraling and like feeling really tired or not booking business, I think about like, well, I work for myself and I am creating this own business and I get to leave this legacy for the people in my life, my nieces, the future kids that I have. Like that's more important to me than climbing a corporate ladder. Like that sacrifice is worth it. And again, that's not for everybody. You could have a really successful career in a corporate structure and find that it would be way too much of a sacrifice to always be on and run a business. Like, it's your choice. It's, it's your choice. But to me, the sacrifice was having a ceiling over me. No one will make my ceiling except for me, and there is never, ever going to be a ceiling. And I have to remind myself that even on the hard days. Can I pivot us a little? Love a pivot. Love a pivot. I don't know if it's on the agenda. I think it probably is. We'll find out. I think one other sacrifice that's very present to me right now. Oh yeah, yeah. This is on the notes. This is on the notes. Okay, good. I can pivot us. I'm, I'm, I'm appropriately pivoting. Is one thing I really want to return, and I this is this is a, this is kind of sad, but you can build a business and build a family at the same time, and. Our current societal norms and our current capitalistic systems and our patriarchal leadership across, you know, private business to the public sector, to, you know, to government officials is making it really, really hard for that to be true. Yep. And as a pregnant human about to have my second child, it is, it makes me feel sad that 
it is expected of me to sacrifice my business success while I take time off to be with my family. And the assumed choice, because it's our norm, is that I won't take a maternity leave, mm -hmm. or that if I do, my business is fucked. Right, you feel like you, yeah, you have to make an impossible choice. I listened to this in a book, and I'm blanking on the author, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. She talks about this specifically, and she says, being pregnant is not a disease. And we treat it like you have a disease. Therefore, you are treated as if you have a disability. And it's... You take, you get disability pay. Correct, yeah. I just did the most, literally, I'm a magical human. Anyone that chooses to birth a baby is a magical human. But you're, like, literally the only reason you're here is to, like, procreate and have babies. You get that, right? From, like, a biological standpoint. Like, your makeup. I'm not talking about, like, the rest of it. I was like, we are worth way more than that. No, no, no. We are, way, we are way more than that. But what I'm saying is, like, that's the most natural, most normal thing. Right? That's not a disease. It is, I have the body parts to do this on purpose. I grow a new organ to support this. Like... It's, what yeah. the fuck? That is not a problem. That is not a disability. That is not a disease. That is the most normal thing for me to do if that's what I want to do. Yeah. If that's what you want to do. And it doesn't get any more basic, animalistic than that. Right. And, it's, and it should not be devastating to your career. It should not be devastating to your business. And there are just so... And, and the pandemic has just crushed women's careers. There are so many more women that are not going back to work because they cannot find childcare, they cannot afford childcare, and their companies, they may give you maternity leave, but they do not have family-friendly policies in place. Like, it, it, the flexible workforce is here to stay, and it may not be applicable to every industry, but women deserve to have a place, and they are allowed to have families, and we're allowed to plan our businesses and I think our financial system is going to have a reckoning with maternity leave at some point because other, I hear about companies that are out of the country that give women a year off of maternity leave paid. They give them, you know, a month before they're due off and paid. So it's not as if this is a new concept. We're just not applying it in our country because we put profit over our people. And as and it's really the big organizations that can make the largest change by putting in these policies and upfronting the money, which we know they have, to help fund and keep women on payroll and pay them reasonable maternity leaves and create more policies that make more flexible environments for women. But as business owners, I wanna hear about how are you planning to have a maternity leave where you pay yourself? Because I think about having a baby and it terrifies me because I have no idea as a business owner how I'm gonna sustain that. So I wanna hear what you're doing so that I can attempt to do that because I have no idea what to do. Well, I think, first of all, I honestly believe that it will be small businesses that make the change. I do not think that corporate America is gonna show up for us in a way that we hope and that they can afford. And I honestly, truly believe it will be women like you, like me, like that are in this room, that are listening to this podcast, that have that control in their business framework they are going to be the ones that advocate for grants for maternity leave, that advocate for having longer leave. Jordan, six weeks is like generous in the United States. Which is crazy. You haven't had a that, child yet, How but little is that baby? I feel like that's really little. Put the baby aside for oh, a second. Dad, partner, partner has the baby. What's happening to a birthing parent at that point, you're bleeding, 
you're leaking from many orifices. <laughs> trauma laughter, that's more trauma laughter. We all really want to cry. Who that have done this, we all want to cry because it fucking is hard. But that's okay, we can trauma laugh through it because we got to make it, we got to make it through. You think you had stress sweat earlier? The hormonal postpartum smell that just radiates from you is heinous on a good day and traumatic. Like, I don't even understand why any male leaders want us back in the office. It smells. It's terrible. It's just terrible. That's, that's not even, that's like just the physical normal things that your body are going through. And, and whether you choose to breastfeed or not, your milk still comes in. That's a choice that you have to make, but your milk is still going to come in and you have to deal with it. So like, even if you're not actually breastfeeding, you still might be leaking everywhere. And you're supposed to just sit at a desk and type away and be like, hi, thank you for calling so-and-so. Like, what the, it just, it blows my mind. And that doesn't even touch on your emotional state, how the baby is doing, how your partner is doing, how, none of that is even assessed when we think about, meh, six weeks seems good. How's your vag? Like, she's not good. Like, it's Let me just, I'm just gonna go grab another one of those like icicle pads and just tuck this right in here. Like, it's just heinous. It's absolutely bonkers. It's batshit crazy. So I do not, I hope I'm wrong. I'm right a lot. I think that. Let me ask Will. I think that it is going to be the the women in rooms like this that are going to make that change happen, and we are going to prove to the larger companies who have the budgets to make this happen, but are too worried about their bottom line to actually do it. We are going to be the ones that prove it's possible. So my team is working on a couple things to, I did take a full maternity leave with Abel. I took an unpaid leave with Abel because we didn't have, I didn't have the business structure. I didn't have the setup. It just wasn't time for that. It but wasn't working. Like you, ha- you can do that. Like there's scenarios, yes. again, like not applicable. Women are already not paid fairly. So like they're still going, they have to go back because they can't make it work. Like yes. A single parent or they need the dual income. And I was privileged in that space that we were able to, again, budget and save for me to be off. I think I took three months off. Yeah, Tiff says yes. I took three months off. <laughs> Tiff, Tiff stayed on to make sure that like little things were taken care of while I was gone, but we had no client workload, and I just got to be in blissful mom mode, which is where I wanted to be. And then we had clients that were lined up to come on, but COVID had changed everything. And so I don't think we closed any of those clients that we had planned to have once I came back from leave. But we did have a lot of clients that, luckily enough, and because I'm talented and I have a great team, a little of both, we were able to pick up and keep going. This time, knew though that I have a team now that I want to be able to keep on. Mm -hmm. And I feel pretty strongly that I deserve to take a paid maternity leave as a business owner in the small business space, regardless of if I'm actively doing that work for my business or not. And so we've been working really hard with different types of contracts that don't necessarily involve my presence to make it successful. Mm -hmm. And that looks a lot of different ways. We have systems in place and processes in place where I own a certain part of the job and my team owns the rest of it. And that's the point about building a team. That's why I wanted to grow my team was that I didn't need to be the star of the show always. I can set the tone. I can build blah, blah, blah. I can do all the things that I'm really great at and I'm going to let go of all the stuff that either doesn't make sense for me to do as a CEO or doesn't make sense to me to do because I'm not good at it and I shouldn't be doing it or that other people are better at me, better than me at doing. And so that's what we're really focusing on right now is building out that type of contract to enable me to take time off peacefully, keep my team paid, 
and also pay me. Nothing's guaranteed yet. We're still trying to work it out, but that's what I'm really focusing on, trying to do. The other thing I really want to do is work with people who have cash. Like, I hope me in 20 years can fund another person's maternity leave. Oh, I, okay, isn't that, I want the refund to eventually be, to transform, it, the initial concept of the refund when I designed the branding was I want this to be like an investment firm that gives businesses funding to pay their team a, a fair maternity wage or pay their team to have maternity coverage. And I realized I didn't have that much money, so I was like, <laughs> so eventually. <laughs> But truly, it's like, it's in true entrepreneur fashion where we're like, I'm gonna take this into my own hands and I can find money to give to other business owners because it has to, because businesses are gonna go out of business. Right, it's not, not, it's not just hard if you're the founder or the CEO and you wanna take time off. It is hard if your team, like, that's a scary reality yep. of me being a business owner with a young team. You know, I'm certainly never going to discriminate right? That's shitty. And as I'm thinking about who I'm hiring, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I want to be able to fund that leave. There's a bottom line that needs to be considered. Right. That would be very hard for me to do as a business owner right now. And so how do we not only help the women that deserve to take the time off, but also help the women or men who are running small businesses who have women who or, or birthing parents that need to take the time off? How do we support them? Right. This doesn't have to be a sacrifice you can do both. You can do both, and we should be able to do both. And it's, right. it's not easy enough, and I swear it's gonna be my mission to make it a little bit easier. And I think there's smart enough people in the world that are working on solutions for it. But yeah, I, have, I can't be the smartest one. Somebody <laughs> way smarter than me needs to figure <laughs> this out. That's how I feel. I'm like, I know, and there's so many grant programs that exist, and I think the tide is turning, but it's just, it's hard, it's really hard, and we cannot blame the small business owners if they can't offer you a maternity leave because it's just, it's hard. It's hard to, to afford that, to hit your bottom line or to compensate them fairly. But it's super important and as someone who wants to have a baby, like I admire what you're doing and saying I deserve a maternity leave paid for the successful business that I've grown and I'm gonna try and do the same. I'll coach way. you through it. I'll tell you all that. I'll fuck up for you. Great. And I can't wait to start leaking after my first There's six There's a lot weeks. of leaking. There's I'm a lot like of leaking. I'm nervous now after I heard I, all of that. It's a beautiful, magical thing. And it is, Abel's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. I, I love him. The little bow tie gets me. How are we doing on our show notes? We're definitely no, over yeah. time. No, I was just going to say. We're getting a wrap it up. I was up. just going to say, let's do our three takeaways. Yes. What's our first takeaway from today? I would say, first quick takeaway. Um, you sacrifice is going to be rebranded to a choice. Yes, I love rebranding sacrifice. That starts with the mindset and reflect on where it was hard and think about what was the sacrifice and think about what are you going to actively choose that isn't that sacrifice moving forward. I think the second thing is self-awareness is really important in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And you need to know what you're willing to say yes to and what you need to say no to so that your yeses don't feel like sacrifices. Correct. Take that control. And maybe our third is as women in business who also crave family, you can do both. Mm -hmm. You can do both. It's possible. And you don't have to have sacrifices on either front mm -hmm. if that doesn't feel good to you. 
I think it comes back to the control and the choice. There are so many women that choose not to build their careers and their families at the same time. I love that for you. That's your choice. I think that's such a beautiful choice. Yep. It shouldn't feel scary if you want to do both at the same time. And I think it feels scary for a lot of us. And, there, and there's no judgment doing it either. We don't want you to feel like you have to feel that way. I love that. Yeah, watch the show, listen to the show. Subscribe, like, share, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say it a million times, but that really is what helps make this happen. Thank you all for being here today. You showing up in this room is not just showing up for us, it's showing up for you, and that's important to do. So go meet a new friend. Thank you for being here. We cannot wait to tell you all about our other episodes. This will be our season one finale that will launch in December. We got eight other juicy episodes that we're so excited to share. So thank you all so much for being here. Did we do that?